You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge on the Mighty 1290 Coil, the Mighty1290Coil.com, and the Mighty 1290 Coil mobile app. Once again, here's Sean McGuire. Welcome back to the program. I gotta get rid of this story. It's unrelated to healthcare, but uh, everybody's favorite mayor, Rob Ford, a political number five story uh, headline: "The mayor is an effing addict." <laughs> It's about Rob Ford, and uh, that guy is somebody who needs a little health care. But he's in Canada, so he's got uh, free health care up there. Joining us now here on America's Health Care Challenge, Alan Hager, guest co-host, sometimes host, and contributor extraordinaire on the program. How's it going today? Oh, it's going pretty good. Thanks for asking. That's good. Did Glad you watch to be the here. Uh, debate? Uh, I watched bits and pieces after the debate. Okay. So what did you think of the coverage? Um, I thought the coverage was very uh, interesting. Um, I thought it definitely proved that the CNN is definitely the Clinton News Network and uh, that uh, Bernie Sanders put on a pretty good show, and I think everybody else kind of fell in line behind that, uh, including uh, former governor and former U.S. Senator Lincoln Chafee. Out of Rhode Island. I think he's done after his little thing. Uh, yeah. I. She's like, give me a break. I just got there. Did you see that little? Guy? Yeah, and you know, he's the Johnny come lately to the Democratic Party, having been a Republican right. and an Independent. Right. Wait, that kind of sounds like Brad Ashford here in Omaha. <laughs> Let's take a look at some of the clips because, um, well. I was actually really hoping that there would be a lot of dialogue around health care because the Democrat Party, I think, more than the Republicans, really champions the issue of health care. And unfortunately, it was really kind of um, not in it at all, if you if you know. about so. two minutes and 50 seconds, I believe yeah. it was, of so discussion on health care. Let's healthcare. listen to those two minutes and 50 seconds. Secretary Clinton, Secretary Clinton, Governor O'Malley wants to open up Obamacare to millions of undocumented immigrants and their children, including almost 90,000 people right here in Nevada. Do you? Well, first of all, I want to make sure every child gets health care. That's why I uh, helped to create the Children's Health Insurance Program, and I want to support states that are expanding health care and including uh, undocumented uh, children and others. I want to open up the opportunity for uh, immigrants to be able to buy in to the exchanges under the Affordable Care Act. I think to go beyond that, as I understand what Governor O'Malley has recommended, so that they would get the same subsidies, I think that is a, it raises so many issues. It would be very difficult to administer. It needs to be part of comprehensive immigration reform when we finally do get to it. Governor O'Malley. Yeah, Juan Carlos, I think what you've heard up here is some of the old thinking on immigration reform, and that's why it's gridlocked. Now they kind of go We need to understand but... that our country is made stronger in every generation by the arrival of new American immigrants. That is why I have put out a policy for comprehensive immigration reform. That is why I would go further than President Obama has on DACA and DAPA. I mean, we are a nation of immigrants. We are made stronger by immigrants. Do you think for a second that simply because somebody's standing in a broken queue on naturalization, they're not going to go to the hospital and that care isn't going to fall onto our insurance rates? I am for a generous, compassionate America that says we're all in this together. We need comprehensive Senator immigration Webb. reform. It'll make wages go up in America, $250 for every Senator Webb, family. do you support the undocumented immigrants getting Obamacare? I wouldn't have a problem with that. Let me, let me start by, by saying my wife 
is an immigrant. He was a refugee or family, escaped from Vietnam on a boat or entire extended family uh, after the communists took over when hundreds of thousands of people were out there and thousands of them were dying. She went to two refugee camps. She never spoke English in her home, and she ended up, as I said, graduating from Cornell Law School. That's not only the American dream, that's the value that we have with a good immigration system in place. No country has, is a country without defining its borders. We need to resolve this issue. I, I actually introduced an amendment in the 07 Thank immigration you know, bill. That's about all, folks. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think they, they talked a little bit uh, before. I know that um, Bernie Sanders for Medicare for all, for example, we know that uh, Secretary Clinton is for uh, well, she, she, she's put out some plans. She just said that uh, she was for allowing um, undocumented immigrants to buy into the system. And, and I guess my question then would be, how do we, how would we do that, considering you have to have a tax return and a Social Security number to be able to do this? So I guess she is right when she says it would be extremely difficult to administer these benefits to undocumented and illegal immigrants. Uh, I guess my question to those on the stage would be, if you're for it, how are you going to deliver it? it if you look at how the mechanics of the exchanges work, I don't know if you saw that document or um, that, that picture of just all these different agencies. Oh, I remember. To them. The, um, I believe ICE is one of the um, agencies that of government. I think it's a clearinghouse for, I, I can't even remember how many agencies of government it was. I think it was over 200. Yeah, they all have to talk to each other, and I know that the uh, ICE agency was one that they have to talk to. So I guess maybe the infrastructure was there. Obviously, I think this is why, folks, healthcare.gov failed. Crashed and burned. Around because of all of these different things that they have to cover. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, when you look at, if we go back two years ago to our discussions about healthcare.gov before and after the go-live, uh, they got rid of the initial provider, and then they got rid of HP or Verizon, and they ended up outsourcing everything to HP because they had the scalability and the wherewithal to be able to pull something like this off because none of the vendors prior to that had the ability to do anything in the realm of scalability, scaling it to the amount of usage that this site was going to get because uh, those folks who went before Congress, said, oh, only so many people are going to use this per day. And as we found out, uh, it was 10 times that. And so Henry Chow, our favorite folk uh, uh, CIO from CMS, fell or, on was, the sword for that. He was, But he was predicting it long before. He, he just got thrown under the bus. Absolutely. Yes, he did. And he, he not only said that there were security experts who testified before Congress saying that, and they decided not to do anything. And the president of the United States even went out there and said, I didn't know anything about this, but yet he had daily meetings and he didn't have the intelligence to ask the right questions on it. Interesting. Um, we have uh, on the other side of the political spectrum, Jeb Bush releasing his health care reform plan as a alternative to the Affordable Care Act. I think he's probably got uh, a pretty good shot at getting the nomination. I would say he's got a solid infrastructure. He's got the name recognition, obviously. 
He's got the cash to make it happen. What did you find in his uh, his uh, plan? I know that you have an article that uh, laid it out pretty well. Well, um, if you're familiar with Scott Walker's plan that released a couple months ago, uh, it looked a lot like that. It looked a lot like uh, Marco Rubio's uh, plan that was sketched out in an op-ed and uh, the same one touted by uh, Senator Orrin Hatch from Utah and Richard Burr from North Carolina and Congressman Fred Upton from Michigan. And what that would uh, discuss is it would reform federal aid to state health care programs for poor people to give them much more flexibility. And how would it do that? It would do that through uh, tax credits. For example, uh, older people would get a larger credit. The tax break for employer-provided coverage would be capped both to keep the tax code from awarding the most expensive plans and to raise some of the money needed for uh, the tax credits delivered to the people who need it the most. Uh, but I tell you, uh, as we look at this, not every Republican in the field is going to agree with this uh, plan uh, put forth by uh, former Governor Bush. Mm -hmm. uh, Governor Jindal from Louisiana said, uh, you know, flipped on this issue just for the presidential race he believed in tax credits before running for president. Now he disagrees with that approach, saying that that's not fiscal conservatism. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think this is a good inroad. Um, I think it would also cap deductibles is what some of the research I saw uh, showed in this. And that is a major point. Huge. Many people are, well, like I said, uh, it's hard to get a collection for other things because they all want to go into health care because it's a big deal. Apparently. Well, and there's a really good uh, opinion piece in the Omaha World Herald today about uh, how somebody was paying $250 we'll, a month. We'll share that. Let's share that at the uh, at the end of the show because I think that's something that people really want to hear. Right, and now point. they're paying over $500 a month, and the deductible has uh, went from like 4000 to almost 6000 So... Is the Affordable Care Act really affordable? And I guess that's the question that we've been asking for the last three or four years, and I would believe that the answer to that is no. One of the things that I've uh, tried to prom not really, uh, I guess, make people aware of is the issue that the deductibles now, as a result of the law, are in excess of what most people have in their savings account as a family. Uh, it's over 50%. So... It's tough to tough enough to pay the premium. How does one pay the deductible if they get sick? You, can you afford insurance, but can you afford to get sick? And unfortunately, that's a problem. Now, the only thing I would say as a critique to uh, Bush's plan is that they're tying a lot of this to employers offering coverage. So if they don't get it from their employer well what happens does that mean that there's an employer mandate I, I don't know that that would align philosophically with what he would say but i don't promote but i don't think that there's anything that i've seen in the plan that would mandate uh employer mandated or employer or mandated employer provided insurance um one thing i did uh notice uh that uh was interesting about this plan is 
He didn't say how large his tax credits would be, and if he ended up in the same ballpark as the other plans, a lot of middle-class families would get larger tax credits than the health care plans currently give them, but the near-elderly in particularly would get very small ones. And the one thing I will say about all the Republican plans that I've seen is if you look at them and match them to Medicaid, Republicans could actually say they offer something better to the poor, and that is health care coverage that's better than Medicaid. That's an interesting point, um, probably true. But my what I was trying to say with the employer-sponsored uh, thing is how do we know if employers are going to continue to offer coverage? I know that it's an important part of retaining pe- your people, However, right now, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, an average person on on health insurance, the premiums a month is about $520.92. And for a family, uh, it's almost $1,462. That's an awful lot of money. And if health care costs continue to rise, how do these businesses continue to offer it? And especially under a plan like this, are they just going to dump people onto the public program and we're going to have... Uh, an expensive plan as well. Well, I, I think that since 2009, I think that's been what we've talked about a lot is will the burden of the Affordable Care Act, Medicaid expansion be put on to small businesses and businesses uh, and will they eventually say enough's enough? It's cheaper for me to pay a penalty, so to speak, than, is, than for me to provide insurance. Um, now that insurance... The, the amount of insurance is being reported on your uh, W-4 form or W-2 form. Um, you actually see what they're spending on insurance. And my concern not only is that, but what happens with the Cadillac tax? And when those plans become penalized, uh, get not only penalized for how much money they're putting on a plan per employee or per family, but... Now you actually see what it's costing uh, that employer. And so, you know, for example, my insurance plan was $20,000 last year that they forked out. Well, you know, that's right there in the ballpark. And so will insurers or uh, employers continue to drive by the Cadillac tax? I think a third, I believe, employers are are already subject to the Cadillac tax and it's coming in 2018 so I can only imagine that that number will go up so we're going to cover that make sure you uh, look up the PACE Act it was just a recent change I'll cover it a little bit coming up in the fourth segment but that is another change affecting small businesses but first when we come back we want to take a look at big data I think we said what was it 400 billion yes with a B could be saved uh, by utilizing big data Alan's going to put on his technology hat and break down the cloud and healthcare and all of these savings that could be realized. This is America's Healthcare Challenge. We'll be right back. <laughs> 